0: This morning, we we're going to be preaching about uh, God's comfort in suffering. Now, I'm going to make this into a Mother's Day message. Don't you worry. <laughs> Generally, actually, I don't like to preach when it's like a holiday day or something because I don't like to be constrained in any way, shape, or form. But because I'm, I'm creative. If you're not creative, you understand that. But luckily, God is also creative and He has <laughs> helped me weave this all together. Um, God's also funny, um, He makes jokes sometimes. Um, you wouldn't think that God makes dad jokes, but he does. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was out, you know, teaching youth, running the youth group, and I had a fire out there. Um, I was walking around the fire, heading my back to the fire. I was explaining all the games to the kids, keeping a watch file on those hooligans. And kind of out of the corner of my eye, I saw this really long stick that was in the fire. happen happened to tumble out, tumbled out of this big fire basket thing. So absent-mindedly, because I was distracted... I'm a man, I can't multitask, so I'm explaining the game, and I reach back to put the stick back into the fire, but I wasn't paying enough attention, I grabbed the hot end instead of the cold end, so I'm not one of those people um, that will react, I guess, rambunctiously or something, but I'm more of like the seethe internally type, so I was kind of looking at it, and I was in a state of shock, I'd never been burned that bad before, but my my hand was like white and blistered, and I'm just looking at it. and I had to explain the rest of, you know, the game and youth and run the whole game and youth and my hands just throbbing in pain. Then I had to preach like that. Uh, and then afterwards, I show my dad and he just says, well, it looks like you failed, Boy Scouts. <laughs> and then I just happened to be reading some scripture here. What it, here's what it is. Uh, I was First Peter 4, 12 through 13 says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you are going through as if something were strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials because they make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. kind of read that and laughed. I said, what are the odds that I'm just going to read this fiery trials thing? And um, I shared probably a couple times ago that I've also been dealing with tendonitis in my, my arms as well, so I have inflammation outside and I'm struggling to do fine motor skills in my hands. The next thing I know, I burn my hand, and so then it's another couple weeks. I just can't do anything, and so I was frustrated. But anyways... It's Mother's Day, so as you imagine, my mother's response to my pain is very radically different than my dad's. So I go up to my my mom and I show her my crispy hand, and she says, "Oh, you know, are you okay? Can I help?" Just immediately whipping out the polysporin and these amazing compression bandages that I didn't even know were a thing. And sure enough, like the pain and an ice pack, and sure enough, the pain very quickly diminishes, and it really got me thinking of. There's a reason that I prefer to go to my mother for comfort than my father. (laughs) And I have done that my entire life, and I'm sure you have too. Like many, many times as a kid, I'd skin my knee, and it wasn't running to dad. I'd be running to my mother to kiss my boo-boo. You know, (laughs) she'd apply a bandage, and she'd hug me and kiss me and tell me everything's going to be okay. I'm sure you can probably relate to that and. Whether it's your mom or an aunt or a grandmother, but women just have this gift, this gift of comfort. And the thing is, we're we're all made in God's image as human beings, and both male and female, and, and each of us just project kind of different aspects of God's character and his qualities. And women just seem to have this natural ability to comfort, to bring comfort, to ease suffering. So when God is explaining in the Bible what he's like. And how he will ease your suffering. He'll use metaphors, but he won't use metaphors but, you know, that he'll, he'll comfort you like your father. Because we'd probably read that scripture verse and say, you know, we think God's saying, walk it off. He's saying, if you're crying, stop your crying or I'll give you something to cry about, you know. That, that's how you would probably read those scriptures if you were thinking, okay, he comforts me like comfort a father. No, it's, here's something neat here, Isaiah sixty six, thirteen. He says, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. He very purposely uses that metaphor because he knows pretty well every human that's ever walked this earth knows what it's like to run to a mother for comfort. And to experience kind of that that instant comfort, that instant hug, that feeling of everything's going to be okay. Someone that's going to tenderly and lovingly take care of you. So we fast forward to the time of Jesus when God became a human and he walked among us. Jesus comes to the outskirts of Jerusalem, and he's looking over the city, and he's just grieving. He's grieving at the state of the city. And he says this in Luke thirteen thirty four: How often I have wanted to gather your people together as a mother hen gathers her little ones under her wings, but you would not come. See, it's always been God's desire to comfort when we are in hurt and pain. He wants to comfort us. He wants to draw us in and take care of us. So God's using these metaphors because that's what he wants you to think of. He wants you to think of your earthly mother or even mothers in the natural world, the animal, the kingdom. It's the same kind of a thing. There's just this this comfort that's involved. And so when you're suffering, he wants you to run to him the same as you would your mother as a kid. That's what I want you to take out of this message because often when we're in suffering, when we're in pain, we run away from God. We get mad at God. We get upset with him. And he says, I want you to run to me like a little kid would run to his mom. And I'll take care of you, just like that mother would take care of a child. So we're going to be reading from 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 11. 2 Corinthians is a neat book. It's actually, um, suffering is probably its primary topic that is in there. And if you know the story of Apostle Paul, he suffered a lot. He went through some, some crazy things. So it's really the central theme of the book. But he doesn't just talk about all the hard stuff he went through, he also talks about God's response to it and the power of the Holy Spirit that would come and aid him. So 2 Corinthians one 3, 3, 11 it's our main text this morning. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. This is Paul talking to the people of Corinth, saying that even when he is weighed down, even when him and his team are weighed down with troubles, it's for your comfort and salvation, saying God's going to use it. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things that we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, You will also share in the comfort God gives us. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought that we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God, who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us, and you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. So before we dive into this text, I just want to answer the question, why do we suffer? Why do we experience suffering in the first place? I just want to give you some theology of suffering. Let's do this really quick. Um, just to make sure we're kind of on the same theological page here. So first of all, why do we suffer? It wasn't God's, it wasn't God's original design. It's not the original plan. It's not God's plan for your life or hope for your life. is that you live a life of suffering. So, in God's original design for humanity. There was no suffering. We lived in perfect harmony with God and with each other and with all of creation. Bringing us to point number B. So in general, it's actually a result of sin. So sin is basically our, our rejection of God. So Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, they rejected God. They rejected his rule. They rejected his ways. And so God, he respects free will. He's not going to force himself on us, even though he is everything good. And so when you walk away from everything good, you start to experience everything bad. And this rebellion against God, it brought a supernatural destruction and chaos to the whole world. See, this rejection of God, it has a supernatural effect. Because God is supernatural and so our decisions in regards to him also have supernatural effects. So the whole world is thrown in disarray, taken out of God's order. And now we have a fallen world. So basically every problem in general can be traced back to the fact that we, we rebelled against God. And actually the world continues to rebel against God. He would, he would love, just as Jesus said, I'd love to take care of you like a mother hen would come and take care of her chicks. I would love to do that. But you won't let me. That's why we have suffering. So That's the reason for why we have natural disasters, diseases, defects, disorders, deficiencies. This is the general explanation of why there's suffering. We often say, God, why don't you just remove suffering? Well, for God to remove suffering, he would have to remove evil. For God to remove evil, he'd have to remove free will. So if God said tonight at 12 midnight, I'm going to remove all suffering, there wouldn't be a single one of us standing here at 12.01 a.m. God had to go about things in a different way. Also of note, C, we have an enemy. This is the other reason we have suffering. Before humanity rebelled against God, a bunch of angels in heaven rebelled against God. This is what we refer to as the demons, fallen, fallen angels. They hate humanity. Humanity is God's beloved creation. We're his favorite. We're the ones that are actually made in his image, meaning we are made to be like his children. So they want to constantly bring destruction and suffering to us they're always working to bring that. It's always a sign when they're around that's, that's what they're doing. D the other one is the sins of others. Sometimes we suffer because it's very direct. Somebody did something bad to us. They did something evil and we're we're reaping the consequences of that. E the other one the sin of ourselves. Um, sometimes you know we're in jail because we robbed a bank, you know. You can you can't blame God. God, why have you forsaken me? It's like, bro, you robbed a bank. <laughs> you're in jail for a reason, okay, like that does happen, okay, like, and I'm talking very directly here, it's not that, you know, when I was in third grade, there was a kid running across the playground, I didn't really like him, so I stuck in my foot and tripped him, and now 30 years later, I'm paying the price, no, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that, so think very specifically, directly, the sin of, the sin of ourselves, The actions of yourself. Like, I suffered from a burn because I wasn't paying enough attention and I grabbed the wrong side of the stick. It happens. Lastly, here we have persecution. This is actually a very unique type of suffering. This only happens to Christians. So, because we're Christians, because we're followers of God, we got people that don't like that and demons that don't like that that will come against us. So, there's a an extra heat on you if you're a Christian. They're coming against you in different ways. The powers of darkness are coming against you simply because you're a follower of Jesus. So those are, those are, the, main, those are the main reasons why, why we suffer. But yet, when we're in suffering, we are very quick to say, God, why are you doing this to me? Very quick to do that. How could you let this happen? And we get upset. But again, what I want to key in on this morning is rather than run to God, we need to run to him. Just like when we were a kid, just like when we had that skinned knee and we were crying, running down the back alley or whatever, and we'd run into our mom's arms. And soon enough, everything would be okay, would be taken care of. Our our wounds would be tended to. We'd know everything's going to be okay, we'd feel safe. So here's why we want to run to God, when we need comfort, when we're in the midst of suffering. First is that He is the source of comfort. When we are suffering, He is ultimately who we need to be with. We need to be going to Him ultimately. Again, we usually do the opposite, because we're as human beings, sometimes we're not the sharpest knives in the drawer. But just thinking very rationally here, if suffering is the result of rejecting God, Let's make an equation here. Suffering is the the result of the rejection of God. Then if you flip that around, then we would say the amelioration of suffering, the end of suffering, helping our suffering should begin by accepting God, embracing God. Again, so suffering is the result of rejection of God. So what we need to do if we don't want to experience suffering, want our suffering dealt with, is run to God and embrace him. So Paul, he isn't kidding when he's saying that in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, that God is the source of all comfort. That's because God is the source of all things good. For a philosophical term, you refer to him as as the prime mover. So many, uh, all the good stuff in in the world, it hinges off him. It, It wouldn't happen if it was without him. So all good things come from him. And really every other point we're going to discuss with this message, it all hinges off this one. You cannot experience, you know, the comfort of God, obviously, unless you're going to him. People will try all sorts of worldly ways to find comfort. They'll try to do everything but run to God. Try to cut him, often again, because there's an anger there. But then sometimes after exhausting all avenues and finding this doesn't actually heal the wound that's within, people will finally turn to God. We need to make it our default setting to go to God. Not try everything else first, not go to him as a last resort, but go to him first. And allow him to deal with the things that are hurting us. You know, to Allow him to bring this comfort and, and direction to our lives. And there's many, many ways that God can bring comfort. Sometimes it's a divine healing. It's an encounter with God where he just shows up and deals with something, whether physical or emotional or spiritual. Sometimes it's an encouraging prophetic word that's given about your life. Sometimes you're just reading in scripture and there'll be an impactful scripture. Sometimes you'll just feel his presence. He will manifest his presence and you'll just begin to feel that God is with me in this. Sometimes he'll speak through that still small voice within you. He'll speak to your spirit, and all of a sudden, you'll just hear this this voice inside just speaking to you, giving you direction and comfort. Of course, God can also work through other people as well, whether it's your friends or your family or pastors or doctors or whoever, whoever. But ultimately, he's the source of all comfort. We don't have any of that good stuff if it's not for him. So you can't cut him out of the equation. If you want to experience comfort in its fullness, you want to be including God, and he needs to be the priority Secondly, why you want to go to God when you're experiencing suffering, why you want to run to him like a little kid runs to his mom, is that secondly, he he comforts us in all of our troubles. And this is how he does this. So first, he is present. One of the most powerful things Jesus ever said is, I will never leave you or forsake you. Note how often we think in our head, God, where are you? God, where have you been? Have you, do you know what's going on in my life? What's going on here? Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He's there. You never walk through anything alone, let alone suffering. There will never be a time in your life where God abandons you. He is always there. Secondly, he's not just there, he's active. It's not like a limited warranty that runs out after the first five years of being a Christian. He is active in your life every day. And he will continue to shower you with more and more comfort. As verse 5 said from uh, 2 Corinthians 1, it says that the more that you suffer, the more comfort he will send. He's paying attention to every detail. He's involved in every aspect of the problem. He's there in the process. He is sending help again and again and again. Thirdly, see, he he empathizes. Again, when we're in pain, we often say, God, where are you? We think he's not there, but it's actually the exact opposite. The scripture verse I started with talked about this. When we are suffering, we're actually joining Christ. He's already there. Because when God came to earth, he came as Jesus, he came as a human being, lived the full human life, lived the full human experience, and he's felt the same pain that you felt. He's felt it all. He knows exactly what you're feeling because he felt it. He has walked where you've walked. He's hurt where you've hurt. He knows that pain. One of the reasons that Jesus came to earth to suffer and die on a cross is that you, is so that you know that he understands your suffering. He's been there. Hebrews 4.15 says that we do not have a high priest, referring to Jesus, who is unable to sympathize and empathize with our weaknesses and our struggles. See, Jesus has faced what we've faced. He's gone through what we've gone through. He has lived the human experience. We do not have a God that cannot empathize and sympathize with what we're going through. He understands. So when we're suffering and we say, God, where are you? He's saying, I've already been there. I've experienced rejection before. I've experienced hurt. I've experienced people, you know, counting me out. You know, he's experienced you know, all the hurt and the pain of earth. Of course, ultimately, he died on the cross. He knows, he knows a thing or two about suffering. He can understand. And indeed, we have another reason. And how God comforts us is that he conquers. See, again, we often get upset. God, why are we suffering? How could this happen? Why did this happen to me? I don't deserve this. But biblically, it says that the wages of sin, which we are all full of, we've all done a bunch of bad stuff, what we should earn from that really is death. We've rejected God, so we've rejected life. So really, that's what we deserve. That's the worst kind of suffering. So every suffering that does come our way, yeah, we deserve it. But God is gracious and he's merciful and he came in to make a way where there seems to be no way. And he came and took our punishment instead of us. Again, we just get mad at God. We blame him for our suffering. As if we're suffering innocently, but we're not. Actually, all the kind of, the biblical writers and the early Christian historians, they didn't ever wonder why they were suffering. They wondered why they weren't suffering more. They were amazed at the glory and the mercy of God, despite their sin. But here's something. Is that the only person that ever suffered innocently was Jesus? It's kind of ironic that we will go to God and say, why "Why am I suffering? How could you do this to me? Then literally, this is Jesus on the cross, and we did that to him. He suffered innocently. So when we're in this kind of realm of being upset, thinking that we are suffering innocently we're not really but we made the only innocent human being suffer greatly but again this is not the end of the story it's quite the deal that Jesus took I'll suffer in your place I will die in your place and in exchange I will give you eternal life that's quite the deal Jesus showed that he has the power over suffering he has the power over death by rising from the grave so death is the ultimate form of suffering. If Jesus, if Jesus can defeat that, surely he can defeat and conquer whatever you're going through. Another thing the cross reminds us about is that Jesus is always in the business of bringing life out of death. If you ever wonder what Jesus is up to, what is he doing? He's trying to bring life out of death every time in your life wherever there is a death metaphorically or literally Jesus is working to bring life out of death he's the redeemer and he is always redeeming he is always doing the work of redemption so you're actually guaranteed whatever situation you are in to experience the miraculous work of redemption that is on the cross as long as you cling to Jesus so Jesus is either gonna bring heaven to earth This paradise where there is no suffering and he's going to touch you in a miraculous way. Or he's just going to bring you to heaven where you'll experience suffering no more. For all of eternity you'll be in sheer paradise. And all you will know is the glory of God that is far beyond your wildest dreams. You have a 100% guarantee that God will deal with your suffering. He will deal with your pain. One way or another. So if you ever feel that God is not there for you, you're wrong. He's there. And he understands and he's working on your behalf. And as long as you cling to him, there will be this defeat of your suffering. There will be a conquering to your pain. You will experience the glory of God beyond your wildest dreams. Thirdly, why do you want to run to God when you are suffering? When you are in pain? Again, just like a child will run to his mother, is that God will use the situation. See, God's mind is far beyond our ways. We can't even comprehend how he's just weaving things together. He's got you know, threads from thousands of years ago that he's weaving into today. And I don't know how long we're, st- we're going to be on this earth before he comes back, but he's weaving things from now until then. All sorts of fine details. If you just read scripture, God is an expert master storyteller. The plot threads that he just weaves together are extraordinary. And he's doing the same thing in your life. God knows everything that has has happened is happening and will happen. And he's going to weave our free will and our choices that we make and all the experiences that we have into his divine will. We can't really comprehend that or understand how that all works. It's just above our comprehension. But what can give us comfort in times of suffering is that God will work it out. That he is a master storyteller. That he will weave it all together. He is telling a great story. And it's a page turner. And Again, he's constantly in that business of turning death into life. Bad into good. He's the redeemer. So he's bringing about this amazing redemption story. So I want to give you a couple of just kind of examples of what that looks like. So first, so how is God using our situation? How is he using suffering? First one is that God will use our situation, our suffering to help others. Again, we're very selfish human beings. We're often thinking completely of ourselves. And God can be doing things in us and through us that are having a huge ripple effect that is far beyond our comprehension. 2 Corinthians 1 4. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can give, so we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Often we say, why, why me, God? Why am I going through this? This hurts, this sucks, this is a bad deal. We forget that we have this advantage of actually being connected with God. We have his support. We have his comfort. We have the body of Christ to help lift us up. But most people out there don't. They don't have that help. And this neat thing happens, and we could just testify about this as a, as a group. How many times have you gone through something and God has brought you through it, that then you encounter someone else out there that has gone through, and is going through something similar? And all of a sudden, you now have this unique ability to speak in a situation and say, I have been there, I know that exact same valley, and let me tell you there is hope. Let me tell you there is victory. Let me tell you there's a way out of this. That happens again and again and again. You will have this unique ability to share with people and lead them to Jesus and say God has helped me and he will surely help you. Paul talks about how this, this situation in Asia that he was in it it, it was horrendous. He thought they were going to die. But all sorts of people just began to pray. They began to pray. They were concerned for Paul's situation. He was probably the person that planted their church, one of their spiritual fathers. They were concerned about him and his team, their friends. So people just began to pray, God, would you take care of Paul and his team in Asia? God, would you come through? They just began to petition God for help on behalf of their friends. And then as a whole, they all got to see an answer to their prayers. And God became so real. And a whole bunch of people just began through Paul's experience, got to see that God will make a way where there seems to be a way. They got to see that God answers prayer. They got to see that God is ultra-powerful. They all got to be filled with hope, and they all had like this group testimony. You might be in the middle of suffering right now. But when you refuse to let go of Jesus, it's actually an extraordinarily powerful testimony for all those that are watching. See, it's one thing to do, sing God's praises when everything's good, when everything's great. But it's a whole other thing to sing the praises of God and to proclaim the goodness of God when you're in the middle of the valley, when you're in the middle of that hurt, in the middle of that suffering, in the middle of the pain. Because everybody's watching and they're expecting that you're going to give up on God. They're going to say, oh, that's God stuff. It's not really for real. That's what they're expecting. But when they see someone hold on to God and press into him even more so, they say, maybe God is real. Because this doesn't make sense. Maybe he does do something for your life. Maybe I should try this God guy out. We often don't think that our suffering, our pain, we often don't realize that it, may, it might be the very key that unlocks somebody else's salvation. Somebody might be in heaven for all of eternity because they watched us suffer, but yet they watched us praise the name above all names. We often don't think like that. We have an opportunity when we're suffering to point to Jesus and say, I'm believing in the one that's going to bring an end to my suffering, either here on earth or in heaven forevermore. There is an opportunity there to reach people. Another way that God uses our situation, how he uses our suffering, is that God will draw us closer to him. We're going to go back to 2 Corinthians here. and Paul is sharing some of his experience and his group's experience through their, their suffering that they went through. i are going to read uh, from verses 8 to 10 here. It says, we, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the troubles we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to, to endure. And we thought that we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result... We stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. Just think how incredible that is. Like If, if you just went through a near-death-defying experience, that you were beaten and tortured, thrown in jail, knocking on death's door, and you happen to make it out of there, would that be your response? I don't even rely on myself anymore. I'm just going to rely on God because he can even raise the dead. He rescued me once. He's going to rescue me again. I don't have to fear a thing. These are guys walking around when Christianity is illegal, when you'd be executed and killed, tortured, thrown in prison. We have placed our confidence in him because he will continue to rescue us. God did a work in their heart in a way that doesn't make a whole lot of sense in the natural but that's what God can do. When we we actually run to God in our pain and he begins to work on our heart and speak to our soul, it can give us an extreme confidence, a boldness. We can develop this reliance on God. Again, we could do a group testimony here where we we just went through a story of our lives and we could just go through and, and talk about all the things that God has brought us We need to be reminded of that on a regular basis. When we're going through suffering now, we need to look back to the other times in our life we went through suffering and hurt and pain and said, if God did it then, he can do it now. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if I trusted in him then, I can trust in him now. Suffering can actually lay the foundations for your faith that can serve you the rest of your life. There is many, many people in this congregation that could stand up and, and, and just testify about what God has brought them through and that they will remember God for the rest of their life because of how he came and he rescued them in a very particular circumstance. And that's why they have faith. That's why they have trust in God because he's come through. So sometimes when you're in the midst of the valley, you need to begin to think, God, one day I'm going to be able to look back at this and say that's when my faith became real. I'm going to be able to look back at this circumstance in triumph. God, you're going to turn it for your glory. You're going to use it. And we can begin to praise in the midst of the valley, in the midst of the hurt, in the midst of the pain. Sometimes when we're in suffering, we also encounter a different aspect of God that we didn't know before. See, you would never know God as a healer if you never needed healing. You would never know God as a savior if you never needed saving. You'd never know God as Lord if you've never been lost. But it's because we experience this that we get to see see a part of God. We get to know him for who he is. So in conclusion this morning, however God uses your suffering, it's going to be good. And it's going to be beyond your comprehension. A lot of the times, that's not going to make sense. You're going to say, why God? And half the time, you won't even get an answer for that. We're going to put our trust in God anyways, because he is nothing but good. There's no darkness in him whatsoever. And he will make all things work. And one day, we're going to see all things made glorious. I'm going to end uh, with another passage here. It's a medium-length one uh, from Romans 8. There's a couple of very famous scriptures in here. I read 18 through uh, 23 and then skip to 28. Again, this is Paul writing. This is a guy who went through an extreme amount of suffering, an extreme amount of pain. Writing to the church that's literally planted into the epicenter of the empire that's causing all the hurt and pain. This is what he writes. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But we, with eager, with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. All of creation, yourself included, is groaning for this end of suffering. But one day it's coming. And it's not just us people that will rejoice. All of creation will rejoice on that glorious day when Jesus comes back to restore his kingdom in full and to bring us into that new heaven and a new earth. But in the meanwhile, we can hold on to hope. We can hold on to trust, knowing that God is at work, and he is working everything, everything together for good. Everything means everything. Your whole situation, God will work it together for good. So yes we do suffer, yes we go through hard times, and we will until there is a new heaven and a new earth. But during these times of hurt, during these times of pain, do not run from God, run to him. Run to him like a little kid who just skinned his knee and is desperate to jump into his mother's arms and experience that that hug, that comfort, that peace. That's what, that's what God wants to do to you. So if you, if you are in the middle of hurt and pain, you are in the middle of suffering, God wants to encounter you. There are many, many ways that he can encounter you in your suffering. Maybe, just maybe, today's the day where you get to have an encounter with him and God becomes real. And you can experience this tremendous comfort in the midst of your pain. suffering we're going through right now, it's not going to at all compare to that future glory that's coming. And we can take hope in that. We can stand on that. Let's end here in prayer. God, we thank you that we are not alone. Far from it, actually. We serve a God that never leaves us or forsakes us. We serve a God that loves us beyond our wildest dreams. It loves us beyond our comprehension. And God, as there's a lot of hurt and pain that's in people's souls right now. Even there's a lot of questions about, you know, the seeming, the seeming unfairness of things. So first, God, I just pray a revelation of the cross. A revelation of the fact that God stepped out of perfection. He stepped out of heaven. He stepped out, he stepped out of paradise to come live the same life that we live, to come experience the same pain that we experience, to suffer and die on our behalf. And God, I also pray that there's going to be a revelation of the tomb and the fact that it's empty. And that God, that you didn't just come to experience suffering, you came to conquer it. You came to make a way that we could, we could live in this paradise once again with you. And that just gives us tremendous hope that one day we will cry no more. One day you will wipe every tear from our face. One day we'll be given new bodies and we will live in a perfect harmony with God, with creation, and with each other. God, I also pray if someone is in the middle of suffering and hurt and pain right now, they're in the middle of a deep, dark valley, God, I just pray in this moment they're going to experience the tangible presence of God. Your presence will just manifest, and they're going to be able to feel that God is there. He knows exactly what's going on, and He is active, and He is at work, and He is doing His redemptive work right now as we speak. God, I pray that we'd be able to put our suffering into Your hands and say, God, use it for Your glory. God, if this is what it takes to bring someone into the kingdom, I'll go through it. And God, I pray you would just draw people near to yourself, that they would experience you in new and radical ways. And God, for those that have not yet put their trust in you, that don't have that relationship with you, that don't know what it's like to have God as their parent, I pray today would be the day that that would change, that they would just say, God, I want to follow you. God, I want to be a part of your family. I recognize all the mistakes that I've made, but I also recognize that you've already paid the price that I deserve to pay, that you've made a way for me to be in heaven with you for forever, and I would love to join that big family reunion. God, I pray as we leave today, there's going to be a special blessing upon the mothers, That they would know that they've been supernaturally gifted by God to show comfort. That they have an ability to speak into people's hearts and souls. And bring peace and bring understanding, bring hope and bring joy. And they've done that many, many times. They've been very, very important to many, many people. God, I pray for even more opportunities to be a loving mother this week, even to people that aren't their own kids, to console, to comfort, to show them what God's love looks like. And I pray you would use them through this amazing gift of comfort that you've given them to draw people to yourself. I pray you'd bless us all as we go. In your name we pray. Amen.